just landing back into manifesting, learning how to become unapologetically okay with putting that first. And it took me about seven to eight years to actually get there. Manifest the life you deserve, period. From To Be Magnetic, this is the Expanded Podcast with your host, Lacey Phillips. As the leading destination for neural manifestation, we dispel the woo-woo in order to help you create real, tangible results based on neuroplasticity, psychology, epigenetics, and energetics. Our goal is to normalize the practice of manifestation and empower you to get into the driver's seat of your life in order to manifest the experiences, relationships, and things that most align with your authenticity. Part of our manifestation process entails expanding past your limiting subconscious beliefs. Therefore, by tuning into this podcast with interviews from experts, thought leaders, spiritual teachers, scientists, and those with neural manifestation success stories, you're starting the process of expanding your subconscious in order to see to believe that anything you desire is possible. And by pressing play, the process begins. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Expanded. Welcome, Lacey. How are you doing? Wonderful. We've, I've been laughing at the comedy of errors this morning. I'm like pumping right now. I'm in my bathing suit after a walk. <laughs> I was so late to get to this. So I've been laughing about that with Jessica. But otherwise, great for Mercury Retrograde. How about you? I've had so many weird logistic things. I ordered a new, the new iPhone and it's missing and they what? can't find it. <gasps> and they're like, send us your, your old one back in. I was like, I didn't get the first one. It'll come through when it comes through, but it's just so many ordering things. And then I had another shipping thing that they're like, this never happens, but we can't find it. We're going to send you a new one. So a lot of weird mail things have been happening. That's interesting. Does that usually happen for you during Mercury Retrograde? It shows up in shipping and mail? No. Mm. I Sometimes it's like techie stuff, like online digital things. But for some reason, it's these physical things. And it's weird because we have like a mail thief downstairs that <gasps> sometimes comes. So I'm, I've am i been like, I have to check every day in case the package comes because I don't want it to be stolen. So I'm like on high alert with checking, but also trying to go back to like, all right, we can relax. It'll come when it comes. I'll be notified. It'll work out. <laughs> Definitely Mercury retrograde vibes. And what else is in retrograde? Is it Venus? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Damn. Well, I'm wishing you the best of iPhone luck. I know. I'm trying to figure out what the root, because the other thing is my Google storage is up. Like what I would store on my new phone, more photos. So I'm like, is there something with how I'm securing my information. It's some sort of test, but I'm just trying to go through it easily. <laughs> yeah, I, I realize that this time right now, I'm only receiving tests and they're more emotional based, you know, like we talk about trigger and emotional based. So I think that that's probably going to feel pretty universal for people, especially coming off the last test episode. So, so true. 
So we've had so many questions come in recently and we haven't really had you on to share your life updates. So many people have so many questions on Teddy and what's going on lifestyle wise and all of that. So we wanted to do sort of an ask me anything. And then we have a couple of manifestation questions we'll answer that came up a lot as well. But this should be a really fun episode. I'm excited. Let's get personal. Okay, so you just came from the beach, I'm assuming, in your bathing suit. (laughs) What is the typical morning routine like for you right now? Well, it's really funny because Barley, my dog, started just doing really odd things in the last three months. And I had an inkling that she's 12 now and, you know, there might be a little bit of fuzziness happening in the brain. So we talked to our dog psychic. Her name's Teresa Wagner. We'll link her for anybody who is certainly going to be interested after saying that. She navigated and helped us a lot when we brought Odie into the pack and to explain to the dogs when Teddy was coming and what that was going to be like, which was a hilarious conversation. And so I just had a call with her three weeks ago and she confirmed everything I was feeling. You know, she said, Barley said, I get confused sometimes and I don't remember who I am or where I am. You know, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Talk about a whole conversation of just bawling the entire time. You know, I just asked her a lot of questions and she requested at least five minutes alone with me every day like we used to have. I said, do you want those walking? What is petting you? Like, what does that look like? And she said, oh, I don't care anything. <laughs> she just, oh, well, she's so like, I feel sweet. selfish asking for this. And so I've been trying to exercise every day. And I my vitamin D was so low feeling. I can feel my body when that feels low. Because as many people know, I've been a big sun gazer, heliotherapy person for many years. And so I said, well, the only place Barley will follow me without a leash and walk in a straight line and not get caught on sense is the beach. And it's a flat walk for me. So let's do two to three miles every day. And since doing that, she's a new puppy, literally so aligned, happy. And I think it's because she's getting sun and all of the things, you know, she's stimulating the brain and she's all the chemicals and all of the stuff. So it's been really beneficial. But not only that, to me, it's given me so much life because it checks off a lot of boxes. This year for me, my number one intention was alone time because since Teddy was born pre-Teddy, we had somebody who would support us and help us clean the house once a week. Post-Teddy, we have so much support that I'm never alone and I'm so grateful for the support. And also with Teddy, I'm obviously very rarely ever alone. So it's beautiful because it really, it checks off everything. And on top of it, I'm out there every day in my bathing suit. So it's like I'm walking on the hard sand because the tide has been low where I walk. So I'm not only earthing, you know, and so I'm getting rid of all of the positive ions, I think is what it is. I'm sun gazing. It's just incredibly restorative. Max has Teddy in the morning. I do Teddy in the evening. So it's their two hours together to play and have breakfast and do all of the things. And so I'm able to wake up. I do my stretching. I'm able to take a steam shower every morning and do some lymphatic stuff that I love to do. My gua sha. I do a little meditation. And then the beach walk with Barley. I love that. That's such a good morning routine. Well, it's so funny, too, because we're going to have Libby on and she's kind of the impetus of the morning walk and getting outside and getting in nature. And in preparation for the interview with her, I've just been listening to her kind of talk on it in other podcasts. And I'm like, 
oh my gosh, I need to do that. I need to really prioritize that early morning in nature, no negotiables every single day. And I feel like the beach is one of the most grounding places you can go because you have so many things, the air, the water, the sand, the ions from it, the sun, like there's so many nutrients your body's just getting. And even thinking, I keep sharing this with people whenever I take like long hikes or nature walks with them. But I think back to the Zach Bush episode when he says, when you go out in nature and you breathe in, you're breathing in healthy bacteria that your body needs to support it, that it can't get from being inside of a house. It can only get it from being around plants and trees and all of that stuff. And I always think about that. I'm feeding myself nutrients by being in nature. I agree. Yeah, I remember reading that in the forest bathing book when I first got the forest retreat. And I was like, wow, that is so powerful. And obviously, so what we're meant to do and be, you know, I think about every day, you know, if we were all still indigenous, we would be connected to all of that. So true. So my morning routine, I've been doing this probably for like since the manifestation challenge, but first thing in the morning, turn off alarm and I pop in headphones and go right into a DI. If I need to journal first, like if I, if it's, there's some sort of trigger I'm trying to work through, I'll do it either the night before or like later in the day and then address it the next morning in a DI, but go right into it because I'm trying to take advantage of that sort of meditative state you have when you're like first waking up. And I've been able to go really, really deep into it. I've been using the Apollo band on like the meditation setting with it. And I feel like it's really deepened, especially visualizations, like so many things are coming up in that. And then get up, I'll do like a little breathing exercise sitting in the sun, and then journal for a little bit, water, probiotics, and off to the races. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. You're inspiring me because I wake up ahead of Teddy usually, and Max and everybody, and I'm just lying there so that I don't wake her up, but that I may start doing that as well. I really love that. That's great. Yeah, Daniel will be fully asleep and I'll have just finished a full DI. And he's like, did you do it already? And I'm like, yeah. And he won't even notice that I'll be propping pillows under my legs (laughs) smoothly. (laughs) And isn't it just beautiful? I don't know if this is the case for everyone, but I know a lot of moms talk about this, how deeply male partners can sleep. It's bananas to me. Like Max doesn't wake up throughout the night. Anytime Teddy's crying, like nothing. And it'll take me sometimes hours to go back to sleep after waking up. Yeah, no, same. Daniel has a a harder time falling asleep. And I actually have an easier time falling asleep in the initial part. But like once there are sounds in the morning, I'm up. Wow. So bouncing off of the forest house that you had mentioned before too, People are asking what the status of the forest house is. Are they going to be able to book again? What are the updates there? And then what are the updates with the farm property that you're manifesting? Well, the forest house for now, we're definitely going to keep as a family home for a bit just because the size of it logistically, like having a baby room, it cuts down even two rooms to be able to stay in. So it just didn't make sense after that. And plus it was getting trashed. I say that. I said that openly in an episode before. I couldn't walk back into the house yet again. And like the brand new wolf stove has scratches all over it. The brand new sink somehow has dents in it from people dropping cast irons. And I I just hit a point where I was like, this isn't worth it emotionally to me anymore. Because no matter 
how expensive you make something, how deeply you weed out parties and people, it's still not somebody else's property, so they don't take care of it. And so I have so much gratitude to the people that stayed and used it for what it was for and took care of it like it was their own home and loved it. But it was just too often that that wouldn't be the case. So for me, I learned emotionally, I don't know, as someone who cares so deeply about what they design and what they create. I don't know if sharing space is my ideal venture with others, just because I am so particular and I keep things so pristine. So there's that piece. And what's really interesting about the farm property that I've been manifesting, I am so curious to see if I end up creating a section of it where people can stay. May it be like beautiful glamping tents or something like that, where it's not actually in the home itself. So, and a really fascinating thing that's been coming up is I grew up on a family ranch, you know, in the same area as the forest retreat. And it's just been coming up a lot lately that someone's going to need to step up and help with this ranch and take care of it. And so I'm so curious if that's what's been blocking my manifestation of the farm property, because truly nothing at this point should. And as many know, I almost got one in Massachusetts two years ago, and that one just didn't totally work out because Max wasn't fully aligned and I was having Teddy, et cetera. How I got to meet Libby, who is so beautiful. Can't wait that we're, we're going to have her on here. But yeah, I'm just curious to see I have no attachment to what comes through or this family, you know, property. And it's been really interesting to watch the process of manifestation around the whole experience. And I have a lot of up leveling that's been happening lately. Like a lot of things I've been asking for have been coming through. And it's fascinating that this conversation about our family property has presented. And during it, I had the channeling. I was like, oh, this is what's been blocking that. I'm so curious to see what happens and how everything goes. It was interesting because we were visiting it right before Christmas and Max's mom was visiting and she got to see the house and she said, wait, isn't this what you've been looking for for the last few years? You always talk about, isn't this it? And and it's just interesting because it really keeps coming back up from my family and, you know, all the different people in my family and stuff. So we'll see what ends up happening. But the manifestation is still very much I'm still very much dancing with the universe on it. And I'm so curious to see what ends up happening and landing the way it's supposed to. But I will say that I was looking at Pinterest boards this morning, referencing something because I'm redesigning some of the stuff in the interior of the forest house. And I looked at my Scotland farm one and I'm like, oof, that is where my soul and heart is. That's it. That's like where my soul and heart lies. Oh, I love that. One thing I'm curious, because a lot of people ask this too, is it sounds like with this farmhouse, you know, you had sort of a big test with the Massachusetts one and, you know, it's kind of quiet and slow. You seem in complete surrender to it. It doesn't seem like you're dog pedaling, you're not in a rush, you're kind of just like, I know it'll come when it's supposed to come. I'll kind of move through the tests as they present and we'll navigate it that way. It seems like you're navigating it with such just like quiet confidence. How do you feel like you got to that place with this property? Is it because you've manifested the forest house and Topanga and so you know sort of like how this goes? Like, are you so expanded that you're able to settle into that confidence with it? 
It's actually really simple. It's honestly just using this work the exact same way that anybody else would, especially when you're advanced in it. And so the best way to answer that is there are a couple of things that I know to be true, having done this work for so long, is the best of the best will come and is yet to come. So knowing that I want this to be a property that stays in our family for a very long time, I'm not willing to settle on it. And so that's number one. Number two, the same thing we always teach everybody when they're manifesting properties, I'm having to work with the energetics of not only Max now, but also Teddy and potentially the next baby we're going to have. So I know that we have to be super aligned and everybody has to be on the same page for it to come through. And to give even more detail on the Massachusetts one, because both Max and I flew out, we did the full due diligence, we looked at it, A, Max was in a hundred percent on it, which I do kick myself for not getting it, not in the sense that I want to run back and get it now, but just how close it was, that feeling of like, wow, I could have done the holidays there last year. Wow, it's in the same town as Grace and Kay. Like, how fun is that on our team? Which was so wild and kismet and bananas in the first place. And it, I found <laughs> it completely independent of them. Um, but the really big kicker, if I were to say why I didn't get that place, was because I could smell that it had mold. It was, for me health-wise non-negotiable. And so for me, even though I will still look at it on Zillow and I'm not lying and I, I'll still look and see what the people got it for, which was even a hundred thousand less than the original offer I had put in on it. And I'll be like, damn, you know, that was so close, but I a hundred percent passed that test and that magic dark because of the mold piece. And so I can be in such surrender about this, obviously the privilege of manifesting the forest house and having Topanga, but because I'm not willing to settle on how this will make my heart and soul feel to be at when I'm there and knowing manifesting it with Max and Teddy, they have to feel that as well. So that's what keeps me in confidence and ease about it. And how do you navigate manifesting now with Teddy? I can just see so many people being like, how do you manifest having a baby and like with a child and with a family and all of those things? How does that process, like when a test presents, do, are you checking to make sure it's fully aligned with all three of you? Are there any other tips or tricks for people who are manifesting with family? Yeah, it's interesting because like I get to read all of our energetics. You know, I have that privilege, I guess. So manifesting with Teddy has been really interesting in general, because I feel like now at month nine, I'm just landing back in myself pre-Teddy. Before this, it's been all open space. It's been this feminine, this just like this open, watery, uncertain feet on the ground space. And literally at the beginning of this month, I was like centered back into that masculine worth energy, which is, you know, what commands manifestations. So I'm getting very, very clear. And Teddy's so young. So I imagine that manifesting with her is going to become more interesting and dynamic as she gets older and we start to find her authentic code and all of that. A great example of this is on Monday. I had a schedule on Monday, but I'd been channeling all weekend. And it's so wild 
since the beginning of this month of like really starting to come back into my masculine worth energy, I've been channeling so much more. I can't turn it off. So many ideas are coming through so many pings. And I had this ping on Monday. You have to go to these three places. You've just got to go. And so my assistant, Anna, I had her cancel the things that were going on on Monday, even though I was feeling like codependent and bad about it. I just was like, I have to follow these pings. I'm getting this. And I've been getting so many pings lately. I have to start saying yes. And so I did. And it was crazy because what I learned in that experience, you know, running around and doing these things, what I was being shown was the whole time I was missing Teddy so much. And when I got back to her, I was like, nothing compares to how good it is being around you. But I had to go experience and feel what it's like choosing me first again and choosing my needs first again. And so that's a lot of what I've been shown lately. And I guess this is a roundabout way of explaining that I'm going to be anchoring into a place where it won't be a dance between Teddy's needs or my needs distilling into kind of one energy that's individualized, uh, that we are both manifesting together, but it's not from a codependent place of each other's needs, if that makes sense. So I'm really learning that lately. And I'm so curious to see if work comes from this, like a body of work of how to navigate manifestation as a parent and having those different things. But I guess long story short, I'm just landing back into manifesting, having so much come through, doing this dance, a huge upgrade that's happening right now, and learning how to become unapologetically okay with putting that first, but understanding that I'm at the same time not throwing away or not being considerate of Teddy's needs and support. So it's really been a beautiful balance. And there, I don't think that there's ever a very clear way, or maybe there will be a very clear way to manifest with children, but I am starting to see the energetics of it. So hopefully that will distill down into actionables that we can soon teach. It sounds a lot like like interdependence. It's teaching on that concept of both needs are important and the needs of the unit is important as well. And, yes. and honoring all of those things as sort of three entities in and of itself. And I'm curious when you were saying how you know you needed that alone time and to be in your own space, but you knew it just felt better being around Teddy. I really resonate to that in relationships. I've for sure had that feeling with Daniel where I'm like, I know I need to take my alone day or like work independently in a separate coffee shop or whatever from you, even though it feels better being together because you're my best friend. And I love hanging out with you, but I need that separation as well. And so honoring both the time that we do spend together is great, but then the separation is also so needed too. I love that. I think we could create this body of work together. Yes. <laughs> Especially for, I think, reforming and recovering codependence. And for me personally, who, even though I believe you always, no matter what, your kid will kind of be fucked up, no matter what you <laughs> do and how conscious you are. But I will say that I do try to go about this as consciously as I know how. That is in the forefront of my mind with everything that I know about inner child and shadow and attachment theories. I'm really trying to toe that line constantly. So 
it, it will be very interesting to come up with sort of somewhat of a roadmap and guidance for people doing this work while being, you know, caretaker. And then what are some other Teddy updates? People were curious of like full feedings method. How is she sleeping? Any quirks, advice for parenting in Aries, all of that fun stuff. Yeah. So it's been really interesting because I've been sharing a lot about that on my personal account. I have so many feelings about this. So for us, full feeds method was remarkable until about four months. And I should have followed my instinct. I think I've talked about this before. Basically, it was suggested to me to swaddle Teddy and sleep her in one of those, the snuggle me, those like kind of docketot things. She wasn't really taking to, she's very Aries from the start. She didn't really love being swaddled and she just wanted her arms out and free and I had this instinct that I was like, don't, I'm just not going to really swaddle her. But granted, sleeping wise, she was figuring it out and kind of all over the place. And I've since talked to many moms who were like, oh yeah, we didn't swaddle past the first month. And I was like, fuck, I knew that. I knew I could feel that instinctually. All of this to say that at four months when she started to turn and roll over, I then had to wean her from being swaddled and sleeping in a very tight docketati type thing. And it wasn't going well whatsoever. And so she ended up in our bed. And that's when the full feeds model, it just wasn't working for us anymore because she was around my boobs all the time. So <laughs> all she wants to do is nurse. And then so that then has turned into now she's nine months of just nursing on demand whenever she wants in the night, which has been horrific for sleep. I think many co-sleeper parents get into this. So last week I made a habit. I was going to wean her, night wean her. So, you know, she's nine months. She doesn't technically really need to eat in the night. I was going to keep the dream feed at the 10 p.m. slot so that I knew she was getting the night nutrients and getting that fullness until about five and then start feeding again. And the first night went remarkably well. I shared it under the Teddy highlight in my personal Literally the next day she woke up with the worst teething that she's had going on ever, you know, like she has two of her top front teeth coming in and it was so bad. And I think emotionally she was really feeling all of the feelings of like, wait, you know, does that mean we're disconnected or I can't nurse when I want? So she was having a really hard time emotionally the next day. So it was really there for her and really present. And then the following day it continued, even though that night I just started nursing on demand again because, you even my friends who have night wean, they still nurse when teething's happening. And so we've now been back into that nursing on demand and she's still in the teething range. So all of this to say, that's a journey and I'm figuring out the night piece. Certainly when she's ready again, I'm going to do the night weaning. But it's so fascinating that lying in bed with Teddy at night, I go to sleep at literally 7 p.m. because I know that I'm going to wake up multiple times in the night, potentially for many hours. So I literally am like in bed from 7 to 5 a.m. the next day, <laughs> just trying to get whatever sleep I can. And we are following the happy sleeper method. Like she puts herself to sleep at night, but I'm lying there with her. So she does all of her like rolling and talking and all of the things. And when I night wean her, I will then move her to the crib. But the fascinating thing is I realize like I'm not ready for her to be out of the bed yet. I lie there going to sleep. I literally in my mind while I'm lying there, I'm like, thank you, universe. Thank you, God, for every moment that I get to walk through this life with this being. And I just snuggle her. And then I wake up next to her every morning and I 
I'm like, this is such a short period. It's such a gift that I get to snuggle and be with her. And she feels so confident and so loved and so secure that it's just such a gift. And so I realized even if I night wean her, I'm not ready to not co-sleep anymore. I don't, I mean, I know for her, she would adapt. She's an Aries. She's very quick about adapting to things, but I love this time that we're all in bed together. I think Max loves it so much too. So that's where we're kind of at with all of that. I do love the happy sleeper method. I'm really excited to instill it even more. I think it's the perfect gentle approach between sleep training meets attachment parenting, you know, so there's no wild cry it out. And it's just, I, I really love that for people who are looking for a resource there. I just haven't been able to pull all of the triggers needed in it. And then Teddy's wild. It's crazy. Nadia, who supports us with Teddy, and Nadia is just like the most beautiful, grounded, loving, gifted, psychic person. But she has so much experience. And Teddy started talking two months ago in the sense that she was saying, Mama, Dada. She says, Nana, Ball, Barbar. I'm like, is this normal? Like, do kids do that? And she's like, no, it's not. I'm like, it must be that she's an Aries, right? Like, that's the thing I can come back to. She started rolling right at three and a half to four months. She started crawling months ago. I mean, I shared it on Instagram and she started standing a month and a half ago. And I think she's just such an Aries. But the other thing is my really good friend, Katie, is having her third baby now. And and she did the bean protocol for this entire pregnancy and many, many, many months before conceiving that I, I'm so curious. I'm going to ask her, Katie, like, is your baby really in a because of the beans who knows whatsoever but I am always like you're such a bean you are so fast and quick at everything so I'm curious she has three planets in Aries she might just be fast and quick at stuff so she's just nailing it and doing the funniest stuff she's totally happy and confident she's doing a really funny spider walk thing because she's so (laughs) close to standing up on her own now so she walks on her hands and her feet it's just hilarious and I love her oh it's so beautiful hearing you talk about her and your experience with her and even when you were talking about you know the co-sleeping in my mind I'm like oh for sure I put my kid in a crib I'd never be able to fall asleep but then hearing your gratitude in the moments I'm like okay, never mind. I take it back. I want them in the bed. (laughs) It's crazy. And I'm even, I even say it now. I'm like, next babies will never touch our bed like ever because it's so hard to break that. But night after night, it's just growing stronger and stronger where I'm like, oh my God, I look forward to being in bed with her and snuggling with her all night long. I'm like, wow. And it's, it's just the craziest feeling. It's wild. I love that. Oh, it's so beautiful. And we got so many questions on the bean protocol. Are you still on it? How is it working? So many other people in in the TBN community are doing the bean protocol. Like it's so cool. We get tags in it all the time. Well, I'm definitely planning and going to try to get pregnant in December of this year for Virgo or January for Libra. We'll see. Let's all hold the vision together. And I know that I'm going to try a natural transfer from IVF. So traditionally, you know, you do it with hormones and everything. But I personally believe that I can get pregnant now without IVF. I I have a really good feeling about that in the crazy sense that, yes, all of this is going to answer the question that, yes, I do still follow the beam protocol. 
there were moments during nursing that I had to take breaks off of the beans and psyllium husk because when I would do it, it was so effective that it was taking out so many hormones that I was underproducing in milk. So I would talk to Unique. She's coached me through this whole experience and she was like, lay off the beans, just tons of fats and protein, which would always help. And so it was actually at January of this year, I just felt called to get very deep in Ayurveda for a month. And so I was doing that. So tons of kitchari, tons of dal, but adding in rice. And so it was very much the bean protocol, but through the lens of Ayurveda, which is exactly what I did in postpartum those six weeks. And it's insane that this month I got my cycle, which I was like, what? Wait, where's this full like two year nursing journey that I don't have a you know cycle? What is this about? But I got it on the full moon, which has, has not happened to me for maybe seven years on the full moon. Many women I hear about who have their first cycle after pregnancy, it's a very big and hormonal, intense one. It was bright red, like the tiniest little bit of cramps, no other side effects. It was just perfect hormones right into it. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And many of my friends who have had to do IVF are able to naturally conceive after. So, and I could tell, I was like, whoa, am I ovulating because of not to be too graphic, but cervical mucus two weeks prior to that. And so it wasn't the total biggest shock when my cycle came, but all of this to say I'm right on track. But I spent most of my pregnancy freaking out, hoping that this baby was healthy and all the things that I have now found out that most you know people feel when they're pregnant. And it's this beautiful thing that we have these embryos. We're so lucky from that one round of IVF. We know through Teddy that they are so healthy. They're genetically tested. We can choose a boy. They were my 35-year-old eggs, Max's 31-year-old sperm after seven months of the bean protocol to prepare. So all of this to say that, yes, I am on the bean protocol. I believe in it so much. I'm following it pretty to a T and I will get very, very, like I won't mess around with dairy and stuff like that again as of August preparing for two mitoses before a natural transfer in December. And so what a natural transfer looks like for anybody who is in this fertility journey is it's just completely no hormones. When it comes time to plant the embryo and transfer it in, they'll just do that, but no hormones prior or during. And we just see how that goes. So exciting. And it's so crazy, like the power of the beans. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Oh my gosh. It just makes so much sense though. It makes so much sense. To me, it really does. I've never like fully gone bean protocol, but I definitely have implemented them in sort of the same philosophy and timing, you know, keeping it away from fats and and using it as sort of like your fiber detoxification protocol and all that stuff. And whenever I'm regularly having beans or lentils or psyllium husk, my digestion is so much better. It's crazy. I know it's wild. And I just, I sit and theorize about this stuff a lot, but I look at South American, Central American cultures and I look at, you know, say India and I have to say, I'm like, wow, these are strong fertility cultures. You can tell just based on, you know, how many children and, and whatnot. And I'm like, you can't deny, I mean, these are cultures that eat legumes all day long 
whether it's chickpea flour to bean pancakes, like you're eating beans all day. And it just makes the world of sense to me. And if we were indigenous, many of us would still be eating beans quite often. If you guys have any questions on bean protocol and you're new to all of this, we'll link the episodes with Karen Hurd where she really dives into it and with Unique Hammond because they're fascinating. Yeah. It's still one of our top episodes because people are so curious about this stuff. I just freakishly swear by the beans. So I'm quickly interrupting this episode to invite you if you're ready to start your manifestation journey or if anything you've heard in our manifestation episodes has piqued your interest to begin. We have a la carte workshops in everything from the basics bundle, which is what we recommend to everyone who starts. It's the formula that actually teaches you how to manifest, unblocked inner child and unblocked shadow. We also have a la carte workshops on love and money. But the real gem is the Pathway membership because it encompasses every single workshop we have. It's a year-long membership with full access to the few a la carte offerings we have and exclusive workshops not available anywhere else, such as the daily practice, which is what everybody in the Pathway uses, hopefully at least three times a week to daily in order to truly create the new neural pathways that one needs in order to manifest and houses the library of our deep imaginings, which is our unique hypnosis process that allows you to get into your subconscious and overwrite those old neural pathways, creating the new ones. You can use our special code EXPANDED, all caps, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D, to receive $20 off your first a la carte workshop purchase or $20 off your first month of the pathway. Again, that's all caps, EXPANDED, E-X-P-A-N-D-E-D. Okay, now back to the episode. Okay, what are your graceful aging or anti-aging or skincare things that you are loving right now? Yeah, this is one I've been kind of playing with and navigating a lot lately. And I know the path for me personally is a pretty non-toxic one, just because, you know, my system is very sensitive. So things like fillers and Botox, et cetera, they'll just never really be my jam because of neurotoxins. So, I mean, I just, I won't mess with those. So things I've been trying lately and I've loved with Dr. Batra, it's Unique Hammonds. I'm like, I'll do anything to look like Unique. She's 46 and looks unbelievable. (laughs) And so she's always been very open with lasers. That's, That's sort of her jam. And she's always done lasers. And so I've been doing just a traditional IPL, a series of them, which I'll I'll be doing yearly. And I love that, especially with all of the sun damage from living in Los Angeles. And then another thing that I do there is PRP, which you can Google and find out more about. The first time I was introduced to PRP was actually our realtor for Topanga, 
was one of Max's good friends and she was doing it for hair growth and she got pregnant, had never been able to conceive or anything and got pregnant after two months of doing PRP. She's like, it's the only thing I've changed in my life. And so I became open to it and I, it seems like a much more natural version of stimulating growth cells within the face. So I've been doing that. I really loved it and I'll continue doing that. The other really clutch move that I made and obviously it's, it's expensive but not as expensive as you would think, is the moment that I was getting a new car. I've shared it before. I would wear one of those visors, like a lot of my Korean friends for anti-aging wear those (laughs) visors that cover their face in the car, which isn't too insane after COVID. Like you don't look too psychotic. Um, But then I, you know, it's like the hands, the body. I mean, you're seeing constant sun in LA and I'm a big heliotherapy person. I do completely no sunblock, et cetera, when I'm actually under the sun. I put it on my face and chest just because of aging, but body-wise so that I can really take in that sun. But after my episode, we can link it below with Nadine Artemis and all the research I've done on sun. I don't mess with it when it comes to glass. It's so aging for you to take in sun through glass because it cancels out you know, the rays that are good for you. It could be very cancerous. So I just don't mess with that. So one thing I did do with this new car is I got a wraparound 3M ceramic tinting. It's like 1100 SPF. I just wish the 19 year old in me had done that because I think most of my aging that is visible is from sun, you know, living in LA, being in a car so much. And also I think it's from adrenal issues that I've had because that's creating internal stress. So I've been able to manage a lot of that through the beans and resting and stepping back a lot. And then now I'm really becoming determined on the sun through glass piece. And of course, because I'm doing the IPL, I'm really careful with hats. That's why people have seen me wearing hats for many years. It's actually mostly an anti-aging thing. And hiding greasy hair is like my big (laughs) fetish for hats. So those are big pieces that I'm up to, but I'm trying kind of everything. This amazing facialist, Colette, we'll link her below. She's out of Canada and she has like an obscene wait list and, you know, celebrities fly her on set with them all of the time. She's unbelievable. She's literally the gua sha queen before anybody was doing gua sha. And when she does a facial on you, it literally looks like your face has changed. It's completely sculpted and lifted. So I'm like always badgering Colette. I'm like, please put out online videos of how we gua sha ourselves like this. Because it doesn't seem extremely in depth. It just seems very technique based. Like you need to know how to do it correctly. And so she's like, I know I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But she's one I've been working with whenever she's in town. And luckily she's been in town during the holidays and here. And so she just did a facial on me last week. And one piece that she said is really important is whoever's doing my body work, because I'll usually work with a body worker once a week, that it's really important for like by the face scalp massage to open up all of that lymph and pull everything up. And so that's one thing I've been working through. But yeah, when it comes to actual skincare routine, I can't wait to hear all of your tips, PS, on this because you always look fantastic. And I think there's a lot of genetic like Danish stuff happening there. Yes, I'm sure. (laughs) But um, like when it comes to actual skincare, I'm really simple. I literally use the Marie Veronique. I love that line of skincare. If anybody's looking to move to green skincare, I think they don't pay us. I don't get free product from them. Nothing. I just no think affiliate. it's <laughs> nothing. Like nothing. I think it's the top 
top notch of green skincare created, I think, in partnership with one of the most coveted green facialists of all time, Christina Holy in San Francisco. And so I use their essential oil-free cleanser. So it doesn't strip the face. It's fantastic. Then I use literally the Evan Healy that I've used now, I think for 10,000 years, Evan Healy Rose Geranium Hydrosol to hydrate. I use like the most simple, you can buy it, Erwan Rose Hips Carrier Oil for rose hips on the face. And then I put shea butter over it. And that's all I do. And then I'll move in and out of using, when I'm not doing the laser, I'll use the Marie Veronique. It's amazing. Their retinol oil. It's, I think, the best, cleanest. I might be wrong on this. Somebody else might know of an even greener, but this one is very effective and fantastic. And their vitamin C serum is bananas. We'll link all of those. But sometimes I've had the luck of trying almost most things that were relevant in green beauty as of a year and a half ago. And to this point, we actually say, I'm okay, like no thing when people offer to send stuff because I don't really change my routine much or I just give it to the team to try and they can talk about it. But if you're looking, you're like, I just want to look at one brand that's fantastic and so good in the green world that is, I think, up to par with some of the most expensive and coveted actual allopathic is the term I'm going to use, but non-green beauty, I would say look at Marie Veronique. I think it's just unbelievable. That's the one brand I haven't really tried yet. So I have to get that on my radar. I'm so curious after you do. I've turned a lot of people onto it and they're always like, wow, I didn't know that this was possible in clean beauty. So, but tell us about yours. So I'm always testing new things to see like what works. And I give it, you know, a good two weeks on a certain product to see like, okay, how does this fare compared to something else? And how does it fare if I have to put makeup on or most days I don't have makeup on. So like, how does it look in the in-between of those two things? Yes, I think genetics definitely play a part in it because my mom's older and has barely any lines or things. My grandma had the same thing. So knock on wood, I'm lucky with that. But... I was a tanning bed person in college. I heard somewhere that your skin is like 10 years, like in 10 years, it's showing from 10 years ago. So like right now I'm showing 10 years earlier. So I'm like getting about the time that I was in the tanning bed phase and I just regret it so much. (laughs) And so now I'm starting to look at, okay, what are vitamin C serums to just balance any sort of melasma that may come up and like discoloration or any of that stuff. But on a daily basis, I'm mostly using this new vitamin C serum I started using. I'm really loving it. It's Oyo Labs. It's a Polish-based company, but it's like all clean ingredients, really potent, really strong, and just leaves my face feeling so hydrated. And then I'll seal it in with the Osea Advanced Protection Cream, which is unreal. And I was just in New York over the holidays and with all the cold weather and all that stuff, that protection cream was the best hands down, just covered my whole face and kept it moist and not like sticky or anything. And then I'll use random things to kind of test it. Like I've used the hydrolonic acid serum from Osea, which is fantastic. And that always sort of plumps it up, especially if I'm like going to go out and see people, I'll do that because it'll smooth out any, you know, fine lines or anything like that. The Wonder Valley uh, Wonder Serum is great. And also they're just really nourishing oils. Oils seem to do fantastic on my face for some reason. And then I'll seal it in with like a thicker cream. 
Same here. And then when I was getting the facial with Colette, she was like, excuse me, I just took a bite of kitchery, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, you are going to move into using a lot more serums that you build under the oil. And for my skin specifically, she was like, you're going to want to use a lot of minerals. So a lot of, you know, like OCS seaweed product, et cetera. But I'm such an oil person. It makes me feel so hydrated, so glowy, beautiful. I'm like, hand me oil anytime I need anything. Like, And I refresh my face probably because I'm so dry, probably three to four times a day based on how the weather is outside. That's how often I'm rehydrating my face. It's bananas. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like I'm, I I probably refresh it like three times a day, but the oils, just something about it locks in way better than just any lotion or cream or anything. Like you can have both, but I have to have an oil based something on there and all organic natural. And yeah, I totally agree with you. I'm so interested to hear how like the lasers and all of that stuff works out because I definitely have the ping to not go the Botox route or filler route. You know, a lot of friends have it and are getting it and it looks fantastic. I know that's the hardest part. I'm like, fuck, I want to build my lips like that where it's so natural and undetectable. I know such a handful of like stunningly natural, beautiful women, natural looking, beautiful women that do it. And I'm like, fuck, that looks so good. So good. And even the lip filler, they just do like a tiny little bit. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize. And so it's kind of like the dangling carrot. Like I was so tempted, but then I know in my gut, I'm like, not for me. That's exactly how I feel. But I'm no judgment because I'm sitting there looking like, damn, you look good. Or like all of them. (laughs) And I'm not opposed to this. I'm actually really open to this. But all of the people who are doing, I mean, everybody I know does threads and stuff. And I'm like, shit, that looks good. But I'm also, my stance on that personally is I keep gaining and losing weight based on babies until I'm done. I just doing any of that doesn't make sense because the skin is going to be expanding and contracting. And I don't think one should be doing that with threads because that can look really funky. Yeah. Yeah. And I I bet you for the people who get, you know, fillers or Botox or lip injections or whatever procedure they get, they likely have the ping that it is for them. I know. Yeah, totally. So to each his own in that journey. And just know we're all sitting there being like, damn, you look good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what are some other ones we have in here? We got this question a lot. How do you navigate work-life balance as a projector? So many people were like, oh, I don't have the energy to do like a huge long work day. How do you do it? You know, not even just work-life, but work mom life as well. I don't think I'm a fair person to ask that to because through the grace of you guys who are so incredible on the team for the last two years prior to Teddy, I was stepping back more, 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 more to heal. So I'm in like such an unbelievably privileged situation as a projector where, you know, I'm really only having to show up for the high level stuff and this, you know, and events and things like that. So I'm not, I don't think the most fair person to ask that to, to be honest, I think ask that to a projector who is living the life you want that it maybe is more of a bridge or whatever. I do know 
at this point with health and being a mom, there's no way that I could step back in at a big capacity. So it's like continuing to cultivate the company, growing with you guys and bringing on whatever the team we need is to to have that experience to continue to grow this at such a beautiful, sustainable and cool way that I think we've been doing it for years now. It's also been like really inspiring to me seeing your vision and Grace's vision and Kay and Nikki and everybody on the team, I think has such cool talent and input that it's been beautiful to be, you know, in the background and more into the business side of it. Or, you know, like when I'm getting channeling, sharing that with you all and seeing how we can bring it to life. But I have to say, I don't think at this point that I'm the best person to ask along with Max, like we've facilitated a life where we're extremely supported at this point and that I get to show up as the mom that I want to be. I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity, but I do know that at 27, I remember casting that list in my head at the most toxic job on the stage of the preschool I was working at. And I said, if I ever have kids one day, I want to do it like this while I was staring at literally 20 expanders of moms that were in the position that I'm in now. And I said, that's the only way I can do it. And I know that's the only way I can do it. So I must have had an inkling of my energy level and being a projector then. So what I will say, looking in hindsight and the position I'm in now, start manifesting it, period. What does your soul and life look like? you know, start doing it. And it took me, what was it two years ago? So I was 20, I'll be 37. Now I would say it took me about seven to eight years to actually get there. It it may be much faster for somebody else, you know, so I will say manifest the life you deserve, period. And I think too, that's a great point with finding bridge expanders, because someone might not be at the career level or success level that they can call on that support or step back or any of that stuff. And so it's like, okay, cool. If you know that that lifestyle is your ultimate dream, cast that, call that in now. But in the interim, find someone who's in that in-between phase, who's maybe not fully at the disconnection and presence that you're looking to be at and is a little bit more in the trenches and see how you can build towards that and move towards that goal. And don't get bogged down by the term either because I so many people write in, they're like, I'm a projector, I can't do this and I can't do that. You can do anything. You just have to follow your soul's path on what feels good and, and doesn't feel good. So don't limit yourself either. For other projectors, I know that like are kind of battling that that sort of how oh, I get really tired, I need to do this or move into that, then give yourself rest. That's that happy point. You know what I mean? Know that when you rest, you're refueling and then you can come back to when it feels good and when it lights you up again. I agree. And, you know, just to that point, there's so much more in your chart than your type. Krista is a good example, my friend of almost 30, and she's a projector and she's a boss. <laughs> she's all day long doing stuff, but it's the stuff I think that really lights her up and and she's doing it really well. And so she has so much more energy than I have. And her chart is probably incredibly different than mine. So I think like you're saying, don't let that box you in. So true. Krista shows up so well on Instagram. I mean, I'm exhausted watching because she's so good at it. 
I know, like I'm I'm a generator and I'm like, wow, she's got so much energy. Like she's showing up every day. Like I really appreciate that so much. Like watching her, a projector, gives me generator energy. So it's so full circle. I know. So I think, you know, obviously I don't know how to read a chart and stuff, but there's something in there that she's great at that. And that's part of her thing. So I think definitely don't get boxed in by all of the different systems, to be honest. Okay, here's a little bit more manifestation-y question. Did we both stick to the six-week rule with our current partners? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. And I will tell you this. I think I've mentioned this before early on and then supported years ago, but the second date, I even remember, like, obviously Max was trying to hook up and he was like, let me, sh-. I remember him saying this, this is so like Jersey or something. He's like, let me show you like what I made, of. you know, like that. And I was like, <laughs> I know. And I was like, nope. And I, I was so firm. I was like, you know, I don't swap that kind of energy right now. Like I know what I'm looking for. I want to know what, you, who you are and what you are before I, I swap that energy with you. And so I think I actually waited two months. By the time we actually did sleep together for the first time, he was shaking and so nervous because he was so in love with me at that point. So it was like we both were on the same territory and level of love and commitment and excitement, you know, whereas if we would have hooked up, I then would have been very attached and crazy and all into it. And he would have, who knows? I mean, we maybe would have worked out and stuff. I think there's a possibility, but it just would have been a whole different ball game. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet. We definitely waited the six weeks period. I would say more so because of Daniel than me. I definitely tried earlier and he was the one to say, no, I like, I think this could be something I want to wait and like take this seriously. So he helped usher us past the six week role. I think it was about, I think it was about eight weeks when that finally happened, but yeah. Now that I've gotten to meet him and I have context, I could so see that in a beautiful way. Oh yeah. I I was also kind of like, what? What do you mean? No, (laughs) but it was like exactly what I needed and needed to sort of be like, okay, this is for my benefit. This is, you know, this could be a real thing. Like, wow, this is the first partner I've ever suggested this first. Like, this is amazing. And bam, right. It was probably the first person too, that you've ever been in that circumstance with that has been like, I want to wait. I really want to check out what this is about. Oh, a hundred percent. So powerful. Yeah. Okay, best tip for someone who has never had a partner, this person says before the age of 37, but we also got a lot of questions about like chronic singleness or dating but not matching with anyone. Any tips for someone who feels very fresh in the dating realm? I'm going to let you take that because you've gotten really good at that. And I feel like I say the same exhausting things over and over about it. I have thoughts, but I'm going to let you take it first. I mean, the the first place I always go is like, where are you looking to outsource your self-worth to this idea of a partner? Where are you putting so much pressure and whether it's status or just putting them on a pedestal, like saying like, I've never had a partner before 37. Like, I don't know, almost even in that sentence, I feel a bit of shadow or maybe like embarrassment or there's nothing wrong with that at all. Shani Silver is actually a great episode to listen to on this because she totally embodies 
her single chapter and life and loves it and thrives in it. And she's not looking at it in a negative way at all. So I think reframing how you're perceiving it can make it feel less scary, less daunting, and that you're not putting it on a pedestal as something that's so separate from you. You can have it at any time. You're just enjoying yourself right now and really enjoy yourself even deeper. Yeah. And then for me, like the one thing I always have people look at if, you know, it's the chronic singleness, they've never had a partner, the biggest, biggest, biggest two things, but the biggest that I, when I used to work with people is you need to go in your subconscious and find why you're pushing it away. And most often than not, whatever the parental relational dynamic to you when you were growing up, the way you as that young person perceived it was most likely not positive. I tell the story about this woman, a friend of my friends that I met in London who came to the speaking event. She was like, I grew up with the parents who had the best relationship. They've been together. They're still in love still. They're very successful. And I just asked the very simple question, right, but is it the relationship that you want? They're like, God, no. And I'm like, you need to go do the work because if you look deeper into her circumstances and how powerful and successful she was, she desires something very different than what her parents have, as well as what her father was. And so to her, her parents' dynamic actually seemed like a, a prison when she was growing up because she wanted to like get out in the world and do things and not be held up in this relationship and be, you know, what she coined as her mom being a homemaker. So most often than not, it may not even seem very trauma-based or anything, but you need to go look down in your subconscious of why your subconscious is saying, from childhood, I'd rather be single, it's safer or more exciting or fun or et cetera, fill in the blank. And number two, have you been fragment and big, expanded in the type of relationships you want. You need to show your subconscious that those relationships are possible. So if it's the chronic singleness or has never had like a serious relationship at a later age, it's because your subconscious won't let you. And so it's really about unblocking and expanding. Perfectly said. And then we had a lot of people who did the manifestation challenge who are finding resistance going into now, whether they're jumping in a child or shadow or boundaries, any tips on overcoming that resistance to jump back into the work? Yes. Make it fun again. So only take some action steps for a couple of weeks, like lay off the deeper work and do the fun stuff in the workshops. Or if you have the journal, there are a couple of fun prompts. You know, it's like the eight people that are closest to you, like do a little bit of an edit through action. Take a week where you're like, I'm going to take a break and I'm only going to listen to the pings, write them down and follow them. Make it fun in a game again. I have to do that a lot. It's a channeling that's been coming through recently. I mean, Jessica, you can name off a few of these, but there are so many fun ones. Like do the authentic code one, find your authentic code, which you did already in the challenge. You know, if you've done that, like Jessica's saying, and now do a whole edit of your house, of your emails, of your phone, of your Instagram accounts that you're following. Just do a whole edit to get that energy rolling, the action pieces, and then jump back into a workshop. Get the funness flowing again. And I think we even said that in the How to See Results episode. So go back to the how to see results and just make it fun. 
Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think too, when you do the edit after the authentic code, that part is so fun because you're physically moving and doing things and then little pings will start to pop up because you're moving space and you're clearing space and all of that too. So I think the challenge was probably like they wrote after completing such a fun challenge because there was community and momentum and all of these things, start creating that for yourself and start connecting with the community. You know, if you had accountability buddy during the challenge, continue to work with that person, see if you can meet, you know, once a week or once a month and talk about things that are coming up for you guys, you know, maybe make it a little fun ritual or a cocktail hour or a mocktail hour or whatever you want to do. Try to find ways that you can make it enjoyment and you want to go back to the practice in that way. I agree. I totally agree. And then for those who are thinking of starting the pathway, what would be your biggest tip or piece of advice for the the ones on the fence? A couple of people wrote in about this. I think listen to, like, let's give them a couple of podcasts to listen to episodes. And then my favorite thing that I like to direct people to, because I'm very projector when I meet people on the street and they're like, what do you do? I'm always like, well, it's this and this. And they're like, wow, that's so cool. Tell me more. And then I'll say, what are you manifesting? And they'll say, oh, I'm, I, well, I really want to call in this. I'll send them literally the motivation of that category. So say it's a house, I'll send them that. Or if it's career, And I'll be like, just read these and get inspired. You're already expanding yourself while you're reading them. And then just see like, is this the ping that this is something you want to jump into? So I always direct to either podcast or the motivation rather than explaining why this might be good or someone would want to. It's like learn through these other people's experiences and you're already doing one part of the trifecta that has to be emotion. You're already expanding when you're reading other people's manifestation journeys. So, so true. And then once you do sign up, we still have the manifestation challenge available until the end of February. So you can jump in and do that really fun challenge. You'll still have access to the calls, all of that great stuff until the end of February. So it still is such a good time to join. And then last one question we got a lot for people who are crafting their list and they're really confused about what to call in, they came to the work because they're not happy with their life. They don't like what's going on, but they're just, they're not quite sure, well, what does that mean I need to manifest? Like, I just want to feel happier and more fulfilled and all of these things. How can they start to figure out some of the things to call in to help shift those underneath feelings? For me, when I'm in that space, And, you know, obviously I would say like, check out the rut, et cetera. But when I'm actually in that space where I'm feeling low and I don't feel like I'm in any situations that are lighting me up or making me happy, or maybe I'm going through a mild depression, for me, that's when I like to get in touch with my soul and talk to my soul and my soul desires. And I think that's a beautiful starting point. I personally think the authentic code is a really beautiful exercise and practice for just starting to touch in with your soul. Like, who am I? Who? What do I want? What makes me the happiest when I look at my life? That's personally, I think, a beautiful starting point. Once you start hearing, you know, your heart and your soul talk back to you about things, that's, I think, a great place to then from there, like either 
doing the challenge, I think, guides you right away through steps you take to get closer to that or just jumping in from there to rut and like experiencing like, okay, I now have a basis for what my authentic self might be like and what it might desire and want in the future. Let me take a look at my circumstances right now of why I feel so out of alignment with it. And I think the rut can give you, it's a workshop within the pathway, can give you a lot of insight and shine a lot of light of maybe how you've gotten pretty far away from your authentic desires and your authentic needs and maybe career relationship or living, you know, circumstances. To me, those are the two places I would, I would be sniffing out to really just get in touch with myself. Yeah. And then the only other thing I would add is like, if you're looking to do some sort of visualization mood boarding, the free clarity DI, the authentic self DI and the highest self DI, which is found in the boundaries workshop, those three really help guide you through your authentic self, future self, and kind of brainstorm like, what does that life kind of look like? What does it feel like? How do I connect with it? Those three are excellent for that. I love it. Awesome. Any closing notes on any lessons you've learned thus far from 2022? Mm. I mean, I said this before in the podcast recently with Kimberly Snyder, but for me, 2022, I can see myself being pushed and forced into kind of super consciousness. And that sounds really big, but it's actually not being forced and pushed into the present moment. So really starting to get rid of my thoughts, really starting to connect with oneness and all of that fun stuff. So personally for me, it's been a lot of letting go of ego, ego die off when I see ego coming up, just being like, oh, that's really sweet. That's there to protect me. But now it's time to get present. So that for me has been my journey so far and where I think it continues to go. What about you? One ping that kind of came through right before the new year that I keep coming back to was this idea of like, it just said, hold the center. And so like, for me, that means staying in that balance between all the directions I might feel pulled, you know, like I don't need to overcorrect one thing by doing an extreme on one end or going to the other. When a trigger pops up, it's like, okay, what is, what is the center? What is the balance here? How can I see all the sides here? How can I see the lesson, but also see the forward healing and ground into that center piece where I can see clearly, hear my pings clearly and heal with ease instead of, okay, I have to overcorrect by, you know, going overboard in this direction. Like how do I just receive and move from that centered groundedness? I think that's great advice for literally anybody. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lacey. This is so exciting. This was amazing. I had a blast. I think it's so fun to touch in personally. I mean, we're very obviously manifestation focused and we've been featuring some really wonderful people, but it is really fun to touch in and see where we're at and what we're up to, because I think a lot of people can resonate in different aspects of our lives. Absolutely. There were so many questions we still, like I'm personally curious about that I want to get to for next time. So we'll have to definitely do another one. (laughs) I'm all about it. Let's do it. All right. Talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the episode and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, we did. And in case you're not totally ready to join the pathway yet, I wanted to share a few of our free offerings that I'll often suggest to people as a little bit of a blueprint to get them started on their manifestation journey. 
The first place I like to direct people completely for free is the motivation. You can see it linked below or on our homepage as our testimony library. And it's categorized by different subjects, whether you're calling in career, money, love, wellness, and much more. When you're reading about a member's experience of what they manifested, you're actually seeing to believe and showing your subconscious that that very thing is possible for you. The second place I like to direct people is to the free clarity exercise, which is also linked below. In it, you get to try our own unique hypnosis process, learn about the science and some journaling prompts. And the best part about this, you'll get a tiny taste of what it's like to go into your hypnotic state, bring your subconscious forward and create new neural pathways while receiving clarity. And the third thing, if you haven't listened to it on this podcast yet, please go back to the episode titled Manifestation 101, where you'll learn the basics of neural manifestation to truly understand this process. So go ahead and check out those free resources, the motivation, the free clarity exercise, and the episode Manifestation 101, all linked below. And in an effort to make sure to have representation in this process series, go ahead and submit any process testimonials you have, especially to our LGBTQ plus community, our BIPOC, as well as the WISE, which is anyone in the community who is 45 and over. All right, we'll be back next week. <laughs>